2: In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
0: This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today. To so get a free audiobook and 30 day trial.
3: It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. The world, the and now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg.
0: Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from the W in Punta Mita in Nayarit, Mexico. My next guest, an expat, a a fugitive from the United States who uh, went to UCSD in San Diego, and then, for reasons she's now about to explain, came down here and fell in love with a sleepy little coastal town of San Francisco in the state of Nayarit, and now she's the founder and chief bottle washer and cook at Entre Amigos, which she's also going to explain, Nicole Swirlo, how are you?
4: I'm great, thank you.
0: So first of all, tell me how you how you came down here, how you fell in love with this place and decided, okay, that's it, because you weren't just coming by yourself, you had a child too.
4: Yeah, I uh, came on vacation. I thought I would stay for a couple of weeks.
0: Uh-huh. How old is your kid?
4: 11 months old. And, yeah, I just, uh, we came down and and stayed. And so my my two weeks, you know, turned into two months and two years. And you had the opportunity that I could sort of, Uh, live back and forth or work back and forth and I figured you know I want to be a good mom and maybe spend a little more quality time with my son and this afforded me the opportunity to do that and and so my my two years uh turned into a divorce actually and in that moment I really needed to make some choices about what to do and uh so
0: you divorced your husband and married Mexico
4: something like that maybe and how many years have you been down
0: here now 17 wow yeah. And how old is your son?
4: 17, about to be 18, <laughs> yeah.
0: Now tell me about Entre Amigos.
4: So Entre Amigos means among friends. And uh, I had been living in in San Pancho for a couple of years. Now and tell everybody where San Pancho is. San Pancho is uh, also known as, official name is San Francisco Nayarit. Right. It's uh, right past Sayolita. It's about an hour outside and of Puerto Vallarta. And by the way, you don't
0: know where Sayolita is, it's a small little art and surfing town. Let me tell you, I've been down there many times. It's great.
4: Yeah. It's a fun. It's a fun place, and and at that time, San Pancho was an really quiet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, San Pancho was really quiet. It was sort of the next town up, and so we were the undiscovered, you know, village on the beach. And certainly, when I lived there, there was maybe only two or three people that were that were sort of expats living there. And yet, there was this really interesting sort of younger community of people who were looking at you know, what can I do and what's sort of an alternative life that I could live with my kids. And okay, I was so certainly now, one of those.
0: Entre Amigos. Yeah. Tell me about it.
4: Entre amigos is a community education center. It started on my kitchen table in the middle of the street. I didn't necessarily have any training or have any expectation of creating a, a bigger project. I just wanted to do something to help our community grow together. And so I figured, well, you know, I know how to do some things and they could be helpful. So I did that. What were you I doing that. when you came down here? Uh, When I came down, I was being a mom, when I had a business in the States that uh, my husband could go back and forth and run, and so I was really sort of just being a mom.
0: So you started this whole operation on your kitchen table. Yeah. And then it grew to
4: what? Um, Entre Amigos is a 15,000-square-foot facility. We have, um, you know, our central focus is being a library and education center, but we do all sorts of classes, and we do a lot of work around the environment, and I think if you're going to say our principal work is really around building community among... And
0: preserving the, community.
4: Preserving community, just really creating a space for everybody to support each other, take care of each other, and grow together. Certainly our biggest concern was, was the way that sometimes as communities grow, it, one community pushes out another. And we really wanted to help create a space where everybody could flourish and prosper, and, and that's the kind of work that we do. But
0: first you had to educate everybody that you weren't empo- enforcing or imposing a different culture.
4: Yeah, you know, I, it didn't much matter because at the time, you know, it was just me and my kitchen table, and so nobody really cared. You know, if they came by and they had a good time, then that was, that was absolutely wonderful. And little by little, we grew and grew and grew and, and just sort of became what, what we are today.
0: Now, that's one thing to talk about your organization as it relates to the community and the other communities around you. Mm-hmm. But what about people visiting the area? Can they get involved?
4: Absolutely, and it's been one of the things that has been really signature about the work that we do is that we're a really easy place for people to contribute and participate.
0: And, and how and how can they contribute, and how can they participate?
4: Um, well, Entre Amigos has, because we're a large facility and we're doing so many things, we receive volunteers from all over the world all the time. So sometimes we receive individuals, families, groups... Corporations come in and maybe, you know, they'll contact me because they want to do a project, let's build a playground or let's do something in four hours, and we love to put on these sort of big events and you've got a hundred people and they do something and it feels really good. So, But for Mr. and Mrs. Schmidlap coming down, how do they get involved? They do all the time. They give us a call, they say, hey, we'd like to volunteer. They can either stay in our housing, which is sort of like hostile housing, or they can rent themselves and have a vacation and but volunteer at the same but time. But they're
0: volunteering to do what?
4: So many things. Give me an example. All right. Um, People work in the library. They help sort books. They can play with kids and design games and activities with kids, especially if they speak Spanish. Lots of people who know art or have a certain skill, like they play, play the cello, they'll come in and they'll give a little mini concert or they'll, you know, do those sorts of things. We have those sorts of things all the time.
0: So what you're saying is while you're down here, take a day off the beach. Go visit your operation, whether you're the butcher, the baker, or the candlestick maker, and you will find something for them to do.
4: Absolutely. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore.
0: Mexico. When you realize that the country has over 4,000 miles of coastline, most Americans don't even know that, but it's true. That means it's a lot of water to protect, a lot of animals to protect, a lot of uh, of ecosystems to manage and hopefully preserve. And uh, my next guest knows a little bit about that. She's a biologist, but she's also the leader of of the Wildlife Connection here in the region. Uh, Mara Rodriguez, how are you?
5: Hi. How are you?
0: I'm good. So. You have a very specific challenge here uh, because it's a very popular destination. People love going in the water. People like eating fish when they catch it. Uh, what's your biggest challenge down here?
5: Okay. First, it's, as you mentioned, it's, uh, we have lots of people coming. So it's try to promote protection in many ways. Education. Education. Education for the people that lives here and education for the people that comes to visit.
0: But it's my impression, and I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this as an American, that most Americans will come to a resort and never leave the resort, and they don't really want to be bothered by information. So how do you actually enlighten them?
5: Okay, obviously, the things that we will always, like, encourage, it's first, don't throw garbage, or if you find some garbage pick it up. If you're on the beach, it can be a, a hotel beach, and it can be a little bit of garbage. And also, uh, during the turtle season, uh, stay in, off the beach. Yes. It's not, not mainly stayed out of the beach. If you see a female that is coming to lay eggs, don't bother the female. Just let her do what she needs to do and stay uh, meters uh, from her.
0: You know, you talk about garbage on the beach. We just saw the story that ran the other day, and the pictures were just so disgusting of the whale that died after swallowing 80 plastic bags.
5: Yes, it, it doesn't only happen on whales. It happens in to all marine life. All the plastics that we throw in the water or even if we put it on the beach or it goes on the rivers, everything finishes on the ocean and the animals would eat it. Turtles will eat the floating bags thinking that it's a jellyfish or if the tiny animals will eat the tiny plastics that it will turn uh, the big plastics to because they will begin to decompose and obviously the animals will eat that. And it's like, just like the food chain, it's like a plastic chain. All the animals will be eating that and it will be passing through animals. Right,
0: so it, it recreates in a very negative way a different kind of food chain.
5: Yes, exactly.
0: So when you talk about educating visitors, how about educating the resorts about the use of plastic straws, about the use of plastic bags, about the use of plastic anything?
5: Right now, it's uh, very popular that what you said about the plastic things or the plastic straws. Uh, In many areas, there are already people that don't ask for a straw, for example. Yeah, but I'm talking
0: about a policy from the Mm -hmm. hotel itself saying, we're not going to give you a straw anymore.
5: Uh, There are some uh, areas where they have their announcement, we're not giving straw, only if you're asking for it. Or a, we don't give bags, or we, if you don't want your towels, for example, to be washed.
0: Right. Every hotel does every, that, sure.
5: Every hotel has that. But I will also encourage, it's more than uh, asking for no straws or no plastic. It's to ask for bio, bio biodegradable de- plast, uh, plastic type or things that substitute plastic, the same things that we use, but that can substitute the plastic that we are using. Uh, for example, the rings of the- The six packs. The six packs. The fish can eat that right or the, now. Or they can choke. They, uh, they can choke. I mean, literally. Uh-huh. But uh, if it's biodegradable, it's they're gonna eat it or it will just disappear. Right now, you can find even plastic forks, well, not plastic, real plastic, made of seeds of uh, avocado, or different plants, and they will just get in nature just as they are buying On the, the, on the natural even, cycle. Even sure. straws, they're uh, avocado made of straws. Really? Yes.
0: So people, if they come down here, they should just ask for an avocado straw.
5: Yes, or, <laughs> a by, uh, or an algae straw, if they really want a straw. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that
4: you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information.
5: If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. I am a
0: passenger. Right. What is the Wildlife Connection?
5: Well, Wildlife Connection, it's a small organization. We are biologists and there's a wildlife photographer as well. We coordinate with the University in Guadalajara for some uh, things that we do in common. And what we always try to do is to educate and to make research. Make research in the area, in Banderas Bay, mainly with uh, cetaceans, that it's whales and dolphins, and we do turtle protection on the area.
0: Well, let's talk about whales, because I've come down so many times to this region and I've seen so many different kinds of whales. Not just one, right?
5: Well, in the area we have around 16 different species of cetaceans, so uh, it's a very- Las Ballenas. Yes, we are in in a transition from tropical water to template water, so we are subtropical and you can find the species of both areas. And Las Ballenas, as you were saying, uh, we have four different species in here. Uh, One is the most common, it's a humpback whale, that it's a migratory one, and it's just here during the winter, mainly from December to March. The other, uh, the other one that we can sometimes find, it's gray whales, but it's very weird. It has to be very cold winter to see uh, one or two whales of the gray whales here. And we have tropical whales here that you can see them year-round. It's the well, bright whale.
0: I was about to ask, okay, the bright whale.
5: And we have minky whales.
0: Now, of all the whales you just gave me, which is the one that's the most challenged, the most at risk?
5: and The most at risk? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, all of them are in danger. They are considered in danger. The population of the gray whale, it's estimated that it's recovering. The humbugs, it's still on risk. Most of the whales have been in really in danger because they were hunted a lot. Right now, there are still some countries that still hunt them. We know. But now we have another challenge, contamination, pollution, plastic, that it's killing whales. We mentioned before that there was a, a whale that died uh, with lots of plastic, and it's just not one case. It's happening very uh, often, that if you open the whales that you find stranded to see what's going on with them, uh, sometimes you find that they are full of plastic because they're eating that.
0: I remember out on Midway Island in the Pacific, and if people have, don't have a map, I'll tell you where that is. It's called Midway for a reason. It's midway between San Francisco and Tokyo. It happens to be the site of the most decisive naval battle in world history. But the island is overrun with goonie birds, and they're the funniest birds to watch because they take so long trying to get up in the air. Once they're up in the air, they're they're acrobats, but they have to get up in the air first. But every once in a while, you will be walking along the beach, and there are not many people there anymore. It's really run by U.S. Fish and Wildlife. And you'll see a dead goonie bird washed up, and its stomach opens up. And what's in it? Plastic lighters, fishing line, netting, and now you know how the bird died.
5: Yes, it, uh, I've seen that also uh, with uh, the caps or the... The bottle the caps. Yes. Uh, you see them uh, inside, not only from a bird, from many marine life.
0: I know. And it's and so for people who are visiting this hotel, for example, can they get in touch with you and will you take them out and show them what they need to see?
5: Yes, of course. Uh, we have uh, some tours that we have organized in the way that have alternatives to the people and not only go and see animals we give them educational explanational first from getting on the boat or getting on the beach to see the turtles for example and after that then we go and see the animals and we have certain rules when we are with the animals of in the course. way we don't disturb them
0: so it's not interactive
5: uh, it's interactive when animals decide to do it. Okay? <laughs> it's we, their choice. They, we're under the rules, not under our rules. I
0: will tell you a story which happened. In fact, my audio engineer, Ana Saldana, here was a witness to this. We were here doing a one-hour special with the, with the then-president of Mexico, President Calderon. We were out looking for whales, and we didn't find any. And this is an area where we knew the whales were. Every, there would be so many whales. And somebody said, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a myth There's a legend that if children sing a song, the whales will come. And the president had brought his children that day. And we said, well, Mr. President, we just so happened to have kids on board. Would they sing a song? And they sang a song, and I'm not making this up, out of nowhere, a whale not only surfaced, but rose up and kissed the president. It came up to the boat. We all saw it. And nobody could believe it. They thought we like made it up. We didn't. So I'm I'm proof positive. I'm telling you, as what you just said, the whale decided to show up, heard the song.
5: Yes, it's always our decision, and I always tell the people. The animals, and of course whales and dolphins, feel the vibes or the way the people are. And it's just like dogs. Some people will be attracted to the animals and some will be just a repellent to the animals and it happens a lot so
0: but I, I, I agree dogs know they know if you're a dog lover and they know if you're not right away
5: yes it's it's it works like that and I've seen it like that and also I've seen or witnessed very uh, specific cases where I know that it was meant to be that the animal was going to make a contact with the person that I was with Bradley. Long in my
1: automobile. My baby beside me at the wheel Cruising and playing the
2: radio With no particular place to go
0: Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at wwwaudiblepodcastcom travel today to get a free audiobook and 30 day trial. My next guest knows a little bit about this location. He's a poet. He's considered the gastronomic ambassador of Puerto Vallarta. He's a hotelier. He's a chef. He's everything. Nacho Cadena, how are you? How are you, Peter? I'm good. Well, you know, I know you're not from, originally from here, you're from Sonora, but you've seen a lot of the changes here. You've seen it grow. Oh, yes.
6: I've been, uh, I came to Puerto Vallarta about 40 years ago, so I have uh, seen the development of this place, and it's still, it still doesn't, it's growing a lot, but it still is beautiful. It's, it's a piece of paradise always.
0: But when you first came here, we're talking small fishing villages, period. Oh yeah.
6: And the food was very good at that time too. Very special. But especially the nature, the the trees, the the flowers and the ocean, you know, the bay, Banderas Bay that is supposed to be one of the of the largest one and one of the most beautiful ones too. So it's a privilege for us who live here, who work here, who enjoy here.
0: When you see the growth you also have to manage the growth. So, what are you happy about, and what are you concerned about? Well, I'm
6: very happy that we have uh, now uh, a, a lot of nice, beautiful hotels. Tourism service, hospitality is number one, and it's very good. The quality of the services in Puerto Vallarta and uh, Riviera Nayarit.
0: And uh, of course, you did you did something that was a little bit surprised. You opened a French restaurant. I do, yeah, I do. I, I do have a nice
6: cook and a beautiful restaurant too. But the things I don't like is that maybe sometimes we haven't take enough care on the uh, design of the buildings uh, around the city.
0: Give me an example.
6: Well, downtown, downtown Puerto Vallarta, has uh, they, they tried to make a very nice, uh, you know, meeting the, the nice places with the small places and make a sort of walking piece there. And it's, it was a very good idea, and, and it came very well, but uh, not enough. We, we, it's so beautiful, you know. But you Nature do, made a good job, and we have to, 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 you have to do at more. least a similar
0: one, you know. Exactly. But, you know, I mentioned your restaurant. If you tell people Mexican food or you're going to Mexico, they're never going to think about French cuisine. Of course not. But that's what you're doing. Not really. Tell me. Not
6: really. I, I uh, have my basis on on, Mex- on, on uh, French cuisine and Mexican cuisine. So it's, it's fusion. It's not a fusion. It's it's a new creation. It's I take the basis and the respect for the traditional things, and in a certain point...
0: I make a twist. You turn to, left. To everything, <laughs> and I go to other way, you know. So uh, give, me, give me an example of a dish that you've essentially created that, that, rep- that represents that. Yeah, for example, I do a lot of things uh, with uh, fresh, fresh uh,
6: let's make a better one, uh, duck. French do an orange duck. I duck l'orange. Th- duck l'orange. I do the same thing, but I finish in, in another way, you know. What other way? It's, that is very good, a little chili, a little pepper, uh, new, new vegetables, new presentation, and, and new, new spices because what I do also is create the spices. I don't go to the supermarket and I'm not uh, happy buying the regular pepper and uh, chilies and this and that, but I take a tortilla and I burn it and I make a powder of that and I make a different thing, you know, and I, I put it uh, inside. You never know what is going to be there, but the fa- flavor is
0: going to be totally different. And how spicy is it?
6: It's not too spicy. My-
0: <laughs> when somebody down here tells you it's not too spicy, you know what that means? <laughs> it's spicy. Mine,
6: I promise you, Pedrito. I'm going to tell you, Pedrito. <laughs> He's this calling moment. me
0: Pedrito, okay.
6: Because, no, mine is not. I use the uh, chili peppers, I use it a lot, but most like aroma more than flavor.
0: Now, what about La Leche?
6: La Leche is it's very modern, it's very uh, unique. It's a restaurant with a totally different design, uh, very good food, and everything is different to any restaurants in the, in the world, I would say. Why? I change menu every single day. I don't have the, the, the specials of the day. No, no, no. The whole menu is new every single day.
0: Is it, look, my history with the word special of the day is like what they serve at Sunday brunch. <laughs> right? It's all the things they couldn't sell. Oh, yeah, might be, might be
6: true. In my case, I changed the whole thing.
0: So every day is a special Every day. day is a special day, yeah. Uh, but oh, what would be your signature dish at La Leche? I would say my, uh, my seafood dishes. My seafood dishes. Again, with dish. the chili and the pepper? Uh, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. C- Again, when somebody in Mexico says to me, a little bit, it's a lot.
6: Believe me. <laughs> I cook it every day, and I know... I don't like too much of a pepper.
0: Oh, good, okay, I'm coming. No,
6: no, I don't go for the hot, hot, uh, spicy dishes. I believe in the real flavors, you know.
0: Now, you know, we've seen in America, you know, the whole concept of farm to table. You have a different concept, you call it kilometer zero. Yeah. What does that Be- mean? Because uh, uh, kilometro zero
6: means that I rather prefer to buy something not so famous as a, as a concept of food, but fresh, and uh, the, f- the fisherman is my friend, and the, and the girl that grows the lettuces is my friend, and everything gained in that way, you know, and it's, 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 I, don't, I don't care to, to make my uh, business very good. I desire. My big desire is that everyone that participates in the chain of the preparation, because because when I serve a dish, there's a lot of people behind me that went to the ocean, cre- you know, f- fish the, the fish, got the oysters, prepared things. The the, the girl that uh, seats. Uh, r- r- everything, you know, onions, garlic. I cannot do nothing without all these people.
0: And they're all your friends? Of course. So here's my question. Do they eat at your restaurant? They, they Yeah, they
6: go to my restaurant, of course. And we get together once in a while and we, we cheers because of the success of everyone. And we care for uh, their families at the same time. And uh, there's a new child uh, for the young girl that grows the lettuces, for example. And everyone is happy. We'll make, we make a little party. And I <laughs> (laughs) cook and they cook
0: too because the fishermen are very good cooks so So at the end of the day it's one big family yeah
3: hello and welcome to alaska flight 438 we'd like to tell you now about some important safety features of this aircraft the most important safety feature we have aboard this plane is the flight attendants please look at one now
0: talk about all the different species of, of sea life here, but we can't forget the birds. And in fact, whether you're a birder or not, you come down here, you're gonna see birds, and a lot of them. And joining me now, the executive director of the San Pancho Bird Observatory, Luis Morales. Welcome to the show. Thank
1: you, Peter. It's uh, my pleasure to be here with you uh, in this show, and uh, I hope uh, uh, to share a lot of the information of uh, extraordinary bird diversity here in the Vanderas Bay area.
0: Well, since you've opened that door now, let's talk about that. You talk about Banderas Bay. I know the whales are out there, but what about the birds? Give me an idea of how many different species we're talking about.
1: So uh, this uh, this area, what we uh, know as the Banderas Bay, which uh, comprises both uh, the states of um, Jalisco and um, Nayarit, uh, has a, a bird diversity of about uh, 300 species used around the area, which uh, is uh, about three uh, percent of the world's uh, bird diversity, just in this uh, That's huge. in this area, that is huge for yeah. uh, such a uh, relatively small uh, area.
0: So, give me an idea of what kind of birds. I mean, I am a, a novice birder. Okay, I mean, I admit yes. that. Mm-hmm. But as I walk down the beach or I walk inland, I'm going to see, as you just said, a very wide diversity. But what's the one bird that is your, you know, PSD resistance? The one bird that people go. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, that's a,
1: that's a very tough question, you know. And uh, But I will, I will answer. I will, I will do my best to answer your question on my favorite species. Uh, but um, the area, you know, uh, w- what is uh, really special about um, this mountain range is that it has a high number of endemic species. So uh, some of the most uh, charismatic species that are unique to this area are, uh, for instance, the rosette-crowned motmot. You know, that say, that again, the, say uh, that again. Say that again. crowned motmot. Mot. Okay. Rosette-crowned motmot. That is in the, um, in the sort of the related to the toucans. You know. Colorful. And, and yes, very colorful. Uh, we have all other very uh, color- colorful species that you see all around. That are the yellow-winged caciques. You know, actually, you can see their uh, nests as you drive here. You know the. Uh, another uh, endemic species is the uh, black-throated magpie-jay, that is actually in the front cover of Mexico's uh, bird bible, you know, which is a, a Howland uh, Webb uh, uh, field guide. <laughs> but you
0: know, here we are in western Mexico, and we're talking about the southern and central Nayarit coast. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you uh, you have a lot of migratory birds too.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, about uh, 59 percent uh, of these. Uh, a, a bird diversity that uh, in this area is uh, migratory species mostly coming from um canada and the u.s you know and uh, here's an uh, extraordinary or, or, you know it's uh it's actually a natural process you know but there's a great coincidence peter between the um sort of the the season you know for migrat- for bird migration and also for uh, what we call the tourist season you know which is you know normally starts in the fall you know and finishes in the winter and this is yeah. when we receive most of the tourism from north and America. you receive
0: all the birds too
1: and all the birds it's like, it's like the butterflies exactly it's like the, the monarch butterflies, butterflies and the whales yes
0: <laughs> and so um, but at a time like this we're now in the summer you're going to see a different kind of bird
1: exactly exactly this time of the year actually we have some species migrating from south america you know because in south in the in the, in the southern Eastern. cone yeah. is winter right as we, as is our uh, uh, boreal summer so uh, there's a species that are doing exact the exact, exact same thing, you know, that uh, uh, our North American species are doing—just running away from the cold, you know, and coming to this uh, beautiful uh, paradise of uh, Puerto Vallarta and the Riviera Nayarit. <laughs> Who can it's blame amazing. them? <laughs>
0: and you're the perfect person to take them on a, on a tour.
1: <laughs> exactly. And you do it. Exactly. That's uh, that's what we do. Uh, we do uh, uh, bird watching uh, trips all over the area, and we work. With a number of um, different um, tour operators and companies um, Kids that too. do this. Exactly, we do a lot of uh, education and uh, community uh, work, you know, and to take care of uh, sustainability.
0: We're talking with Luis Morales, who's the executive director of the San Pancho Bird Observatory. Before I let you go, your website
1: is www.birdingsanpancho.net. The
3: charge for looking at this pamphlet is three dollars.
5: The charge for looking at this pamphlet and putting it back quickly
0: is $4. My next guest has a very interesting history. In fact, this community has a very interesting history. He's the former director of ACT, which he's going to explain, as well as Bayarta Pride, right here, in
2: uh, in Nyarit, and his name is Bill Hevner. How are you, sir? I'm very good. I'm Another glad expat. Here. Another expat. Another expat. From where? Uh, I'm originally from Greenwich, Connecticut, and I've been down here 13 years. And you came because? I came because I followed someone down that I was in love with. See. So I came for love, and then if you look out the window, you know you right. fall in love with Vallarta. So that's the other relationship. Correct. Right. And the guy you came down for? I ditched him, and then I, <laughs> and, I and I and I wound up marrying a Mexican. Uh, who was here on vacation and never left. Who knew, right? Who knew? See, that's... You know what? Gay, straight, it doesn't
0: matter. The beautiful thing about travel is plan A never works and all of a sudden you turn left instead of turning right, and your life changes on a dime totally. in a place you'd never
2: expected. Totally. If you had asked me 13 years ago what I would be doing now with my life, I would have told you you were absolutely insane.
0: What were you doing in Greenwich?
2: Uh, well, actually, I wasn't in Greenwich. I, I lived outside of Boston. Okay. I'm a former psychotherapist, and I retired, and basically I was kind of like a glorified super gay circuit boy traveling around, going to all the different circuit parties that there are all over the world. And, right. And... That was really my life, and I— You could have written a book. I could have written a book. Yeah. Um, I could definitely write a book now. Because? Because, again, my life is totally different. You know, I, I was one of the founding members of the business association that we started six years ago with Viarda Pride. But let's
0: talk about that, because I've been coming down to Mexico since I was, like, 21, and there was no visible gay lifestyle down here. In fact, with a very strong Catholic church, which still is, by the way— I mean, it was the unspoken of all unspokens,
2: right? Well, the, the gay community here is probably about 40 years old at least, but I have friends that are from... But I'm talking about coming out. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, it was, it's always been kind of an international uh, mecca.
0: Because it's an artist community as well.
2: Correct. And, you know, it started with Elizabeth Taylor's uh, hairdresser and film people, and they wound up finding a, a kind of like a transgendered uh, waiter on the beach... And they fell in love with her, basically. And so they started coming back year after year after year to because see of, her. Because of her. Because of her. Unbelievable. Right. And so as that then spread, you know, the thing the thing about Vallarta, it's it's a very, even though it's a Catholic culture, um, it's very accepting. The Mexicans' first stance to anything is to accept. And they're also extremely friendly.
0: So what you're really saying is that from the moment you got down here, even though you dissed the other guy, you felt at home.
2: Yes. I felt totally at home. Uh, and very easy to get to know people, and I felt very, very safe here. Um, and it really didn't matter that I was gay, straight, purple, or green. People were going to accept me, and they're very loving and very easy to talk to, and those kind of things. And I. I felt now like. Now, you, be- you better be careful if you want to head north because I hear they're building a wall. I don't know. Well, I, but- hope, I actually hope they do to keep everybody out. <laughs> 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 you know, because once people come to Mexico, they He's- have a tendency to want to come back again.
0: Oh, listen, put me in that category. Right, absolutely. And, and
2: I think that's why there's so much negative publicity on the part of the United States because they know once you come here, you're not, you're, you know, you're going to stay.
0: Listen, my girlfriend's now making her fourth trip to Mexico. She's Turkish. And today, she said, we should live here. I'm like, oh, God, here we go.
2: Here it comes. (laughs) Well, you know, if you have money from the United States that you can then bring with you, you know, it's a great place. I love living here. I mean, the climate is fantastic. The food is amazing. And the people are wonderful.
0: Now, let's talk about the food because... That's had a remarkable transformation in the last 15 years. I mean, it's oh, no Oh, well, f- here in Vallarta. Vi- yeah. Yes, yeah. in
2: Vallarta. I mean, we're, we're, this, we're known as the second greatest collection of restaurants versus uh, Ciudad Mexico. I mean, the variety of Mexi- of restaurants here is amazing, and the food is great all the way from the taco stands up to the gourmet restaurants.
0: And let's talk about, while we have some time, of Vallarta Pride. Yeah.
2: Yes, okay. So Vallarta Pride, we started um, because... Uh, at the time, Playa del Carmen was trying to vie for the gay crown for being the... And be-
0: we're not going to let that
2: happen. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, be- and because we really are the, the gay beach destination. I mean, we have 23 different cocktail lounges. We have four or five different boat cruises. We have hotels, restaurants, blah, 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 blah.
0: Listen, if but truth we be- didn't if- have a pride. Listen, if truth be told, I've been living on Fire Island since I'm six months old, thanks to my mom and dad. So I know who parties out there right I mean we can't even hold a candle to you guys. right I know
2: right so we we started pride again as a way of kind of like solidifying the fact that we are a gay beach destination and um and it was interesting because half of us are gringo and half of us are Mexican and so you know traditionally pride was a political thing so what we did was we made a cultural it's, event it's a lifestyle thing yeah And so it basically is a giant commercial for the gay life in Vallarta. And bottom line is, if you're straight, you come down
0: here, you're going to feel at home. If you're gay and you come down here, you're going to feel at home. Correct. And you can't say that about a lot of places. No.
3: Should there be a rapid change in cabin pressure, oxygen masks will automatically drop from the compartment above your seat, free of charge. And to start the flow of oxygen, pay your flight attendant (laughs) $75.63.
0: My next guest is an expat. She's uh, from Vancouver, British Columbia, and then came down for a change of lifestyle, and like many expats, decided to stay. That's right. And she's now actually the editor of the Vallarta Tribune, Madeline Milne. How are you?
7: Great, thanks for having me.
0: You miss you Canada at all?
7: Oh, a little bit, sure.
0: <laughs> but you've been here how long now?
7: I'm going on, I'm just finishing up my seventh year now, so.
0: And there's news. You you actually report news down here.
7: We do, yeah.
0: And what is the news down here? What what do people need to know? Because well, because before you even ask them that question, you know there's development news, there's resort news, there's environmental news. There's there's uh, a connection between all three, isn't there?
7: Absolutely. For the. Vallarta Tribune, we like to focus on the positive news. We like to tell our readers about the good things about Mexico to counteract some of the negative press that's out there about the country. So,
0: Well, can I, can I, can I interject something as a devil's advocate here? <laughs> uh, I'm not about positive or negative. I'm about practical. I'm not about promoting. I'm about presenting. So I understand where you're coming from because if you've heard my show before, you would know that I happen to think the State Department advisories are misleading. I happen to think they're, um, even with the best of intentions, they're not full of good information. They're painting with too broad a a brush. And, you know, there are four or five states in Mexico right now that are being classified by the State Department as Category 4, do not travel. And I can't understand why that would apply to Sinaloa, since Mazatlan is in Sinaloa, and you're putting Mazatlan in the same category as Syria. It's ridiculous.
7: It is ridiculous, absolutely.
0: And what has the effect been down here?
7: Well, I... It's been a while since Puerto Vallarta has faced any real troubles, but for example in Cabo, not too long ago they released a new State Department and it really affected their tourism. A lot of people cancelled their trips here over Christmas and, and in the high season. And,
0: and, and we were down there and no problemo.
7: And there is no problem. It the crime that we see here in Mexico very, very rarely affects tourists or even the expat community. It's, it's concentrated in particular areas with particular people.
0: And you're the only weekly English newspaper down here.
7: We are, yeah.
0: So what's the biggest, I hate to say it, controversy now, other than trying to counteract, you know, State Department advisories? <laughs>
7: controversy. We've got no controversies down here.
0: Oh, stop.
7: <laughs> we, I think probably there's a bit of a... Um, people are getting a little bit up in arms because there's just is so much development happening. You know, we're seeing tons of new hotels and resorts. Well, and,
0: when you came down here seven years ago, this hotel wasn't here.
7: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, I think that's it. Just people trying to find balance between old Mexico and New Mexico, authentic experiences and... Those okay,
0: so things. why did you choose Puerto Vallarta?
7: For a couple of reasons. Um, because it's really easy to get in and out of with an international airport. It's quick back to Vancouver. It's an only a four-hour flight, so it's nothing to get home if I needed to get back home. Um, but also because of the bay itself, you know, with the mountains and the ocean, the nature that comes right up onto the beach. It's it's stunning and coming from vancouver which is also you know very similar with the mountains and the ocean it's true um it feels like home you know it's 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 a really similar feeling
0: and you know we talk about banderas bay when i first came down to interview the legendary director john houston he was here yeah i mean and this was a little fishing village
7: absolutely puerto Vallarta is what it is today because of him and and the movies that he filmed here
0: well Elizabeth, the movie with Elizabeth Taylor, Night of the Iguana?
7: Yeah. So she wasn't actually in it. She was just accompanying uh, she was, Richard, Richard Burton. Burton. Yeah,
0: well, so. For all intents and purposes, we thought she was in it because <laughs> every shot that was taken down here was yeah, of them. Absolutely. You know that.
7: Yeah.
0: yeah. So it's still a fishing village. There's still fishing going on. But how do you manage the growth?
7: It's... It's tricky. I mean, we are blessed that we still have a lot of open spaces. Um, and I think in some ways they've done a good job of concentrating. You know, people lament all the buildings going up, but they're all within one small area. And that kind of keeps everybody in that area and protects some of the bigger open spaces. I mean, there's
0: the Four Seasons and there's the St. Regis, and they're very close to each other. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, So the one thing I can tell you, and in fact, I don't have to tell you because you already know it, is the one thing that's really exploded here is the food scene.
7: Absolutely. It's amazing.
0: Right. Your favorite places?
7: Oh, I can't tell you that. <laughs> yeah, you
0: can. Give me, a, give me a breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Let's go.
7: Okay. Well, so for breakfast, we're going to go to Alcatraz's. Because? Because it's the most authentic breakfast uh, place in, in Mexico. And what am I going to order? But you're going to order eggs with chilaquiles. With what? Chilaquiles. Explain. They are fried tortilla chips that are tossed in either a green or red salsa covered in uh, cream and... So
0: we're talking thinly disguised eggs with a kick to it. Exactly. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> and lunch?
7: Lunch, I'm going to take you on a boat, and we're going to head down to... By the way,
0: anytime you take me on a boat, I'll eat anything.
7: Oh, perfect. Yeah. Good. Okay, so where are we going? We're going to go to Yalapa. Because? Because it's an adorable little beach town that is only accessible by boat. And I'm loving
0: this already. Right?
7: And it uh, has a bunch of palapa restaurants on the beach. Pick which one you want. They're all excellent.
0: And what are we ordering?
7: Whatever is fresh that day.
0: So that's a ceviche moment.
7: Absolutely. Or a grilled fish.
0: But caught that day on the day boat, put it, throw it on the oven, and that's it.
7: Exactly. Or on the
0: grill, I should say. Yeah. All right. And now the pH de résistance, dinner.
7: Well, I would say likely the best restaurant is Café des Artistas in Puerto Vallarta. Um, it's spectacular. It's been here for quite some time. Um, everybody knows it. And it will give you just a small sample of, of the type of dining you can do here. You know, it's, it's Which original. Which you may not be expecting. Exactly, yeah. It's not tacos. It's, it's more. It's, it's gourmet, and it's wonderful.
0: Well, so much of the stereotype of Mexican food is enchilada and, tor- and tortillas and tacos and a guy wearing a sombrero, and that is definitely not this.
7: No, no. We have over 200 restaurants in downtown Puerto Vallarta alone, and you can eat just about any kind of cuisine you want.
0: Right. And by the way, when you get off at the airport, please don't be misled by seeing Johnny Rockets. (laughs) It's okay. You don't have to go there. Your comfort level doesn't have to be reached there. That's for truly unevolved American tourists. It is true, yes. Right? Although their strawberry shakes ain't bad. (laughs) I didn't have one today, but I know I can get one if I go there. But that's not why I came down here. No. Right? You want to immerse yourself in the culture and of course you want to read the Vallarta Vallarta Tribune
7: absolutely
0: of course the editor of that is none other than Madeline Mill who's joining me now Madeline thanks for coming
3: you've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world
0: If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey.
3: It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Millie Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon,